Welcome. You are listening to Conversations from Christ Church Cranbrook. We are a faith community located in Metro Detroit who have been transformed by God's acceptance, love, and grace. Whoever you are, wherever you find yourself on the journey of faith today, we pray this podcast will feed your soul and inspire your spirit. of the loving, liberating, and life-giving God. Amen. As we bring this sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit to a close, we could remind ourselves that when we talk about love and joy, peace and patience and and so on, including today's theme of self-control, we could remind ourselves that these are not merely good Christian values for us to strive for, but that they are better understood perhaps as byproducts, as side effects, if you will, of a much larger goal, a much more important goal. Paul calls them fruit because they are the produce of the tree which we seek to cultivate. And that tree is our faith. And so the fruit of the Spirit are the outward and visible sign of what life looks like when you're living a life of faith. They are the inevitable result of a life given over to God by giving it away to others. Archbishop Desmond Tutu goes so far as to warn us that if we spend our life in search of them, for peace and happiness and joy, if those become our goal and we never cultivate our relationship with God, then we we risk missing the boat entirely because we will have missed out on tapping the only source of an enduring peace and a lasting joy, one which the world could never give and can never take away. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with, you know, working to be more loving and more generous and more patient. But without God at the center, we're not going to get very far. Without our eyes fixed on Jesus, any progress we make will be short-lived. Any moments of happiness will be fleeting at best. In today's gospel, Peter famously takes a leap of faith. He leaves his comfort zone and dares to follow Jesus. And for a moment, he actually finds himself walking on water. He actually finds himself doing something he never thought he could do. And not, mind you, out of any individual effort on his part, not out of any expertise. You know, he wasn't practicing on the side for this big moment, but purely and miraculously as a byproduct of his desire to follow Jesus. But it doesn't last, does it? Peter gets distracted, doesn't he? And he gets distracted by the same thing that distracts each of us, our fear. And so while our faith will carry us 
to places we could never imagine. Our fears can cause us to sink just as quickly. So why do we do that? As Jesus asks somewhat rhetorically, why do we give in to fear? And the answer, of course, is that fear is part of our human condition. It's been with us since the very beginning. From the moment we ate from the tree of knowledge and discovered our nakedness and our vulnerability, fear has been a constant companion. And of course, Jesus knows this about Peter as well as anyone. Peter, who throughout the Gospels is the first to volunteer, the first to proclaim his faith, the first to say, well, I will never deny you, Jesus. But Jesus knows better. He knows Peter will succumb to his fears. And he knows that about us as well. Like Peter, as much as we want to think we trust in God, life just isn't that simple, is it? As much as we want to believe our faith rules our life, psychologists will tell us, and by the way, any decent salesman will as well, that fear, fear is the most powerful motivator. It's almost as if fear and our faith are locked in a kind of endless dance, forever switching back and forth between who will lead our life from one song to the next. I know it's certainly true for me, no matter how many times I've preached over the years, I'm always a bit fearful that whatever I say might put you all to sleep. Whenever I begin a new class or launch a new series, I always have a little fear in the back of my head that maybe nobody will come. No matter how often I pray and read scriptures, I always have a bit of fear with me when I go to the doctor because of what might be discovered in some routine test. As hard as we might try, we can never escape fear. Just look at our everyday heroes, the ones that we will see on the news from time to time. When we hear them interviewed, I always hear basically the two same things. First, they say, I didn't do anything special. I just did what anyone else would do. And then when they're asked about, well, why weren't you afraid? They seem to always say, oh yeah, I was plenty scared. But there just wasn't time to focus on it. Ask any of our frontline workers today if they are scared going to work. And they will tell you they are. But they go because they need to go and because they know we need them to be there. All of these heroes keep their focus on the needs of others and in so doing manage to control their fear just enough to make a difference in the world. Which brings us to today's theme of self-control. When Paul talks about self-control, mind you, he's not talking about folks who are incredibly self-disciplined or have extraordinary willpower. All those people that we're always so jealous of. But thankfully, he's not really referring to that so much as he's talking about people like these everyday heroes. Those who rise above their fears just enough 
to respond to the world as God would have us. And it's not always about running into a burning building, is it? It's often most apparent in our everyday interactions. When someone says something we completely disagree with, when somebody voices a political opinion that seems so outrageous to us, do we respond with humility? Do we see it as an opportunity to listen, to learn something about them, to discover something that happened in their life that might have brought them to the opinions that we find so different? Or do we give in to fear? Do we get defensive? Do we feel threatened? Do we set about arguing with them and trying to convince them why they are so wrong? Or worse, do we just defriend them and write them off altogether? When we're confronted by change or circumstances like this pandemic that are just beyond our control, do we dig our heels in? Do we try to fight it? Do we get angry and lash out? Or do we see it as an opportunity to rely on others and to trust in God? When we have an argument with a friend or when someone has wronged us, do we hold on to our resentments? Do we hold grudges and talk behind their back? Do we tell ourselves, you know, life is too short to spend any more time or energy on people like that? Or do we take Jesus on his word that life is too short not to? The late Thomas Keating, the Catholic monk and founder of Centering Prayer, calls these various responses our programs for happiness because they are all designed to fill our basic needs for for safety and happiness and security and affirmation. And they're not just these kinds of negative emotional responses. They can include all kinds of behaviors as well. Whenever we reach for salty snacks when we are stressed, whenever we've had one too many glasses of wine, we are working a program for happiness. When we treat shopping as a pastime and order things on Amazon that we don't really need, we are probably working a program for happiness. And they are everywhere, compulsively checking Facebook, looking for praise and affection to the number of likes in our recent post, binge-watching cable news or talk radio to have our beliefs affirmed over and over because, gosh, don't we love being reminded why we are so right and why they are so wrong? The list of programs for happiness is as endless and as varied as we are. But they are each trying to satisfy real and true longings that we all share. But they each are a counterfeit gospel, one of our own making. Because in the long run, none of them will fully satisfy. And all of them will lead us away from the only one who can. But does that stop us? Do we go back to them over and over? Yeah, 
It's, after all, what we've been conditioned to do. It's what we were raised to do. It's what everyone else does. It's what our consumer culture rewards us for, and on and on. In fact, the best thing that can probably happen to most of us is that at some point in our life, like Peter, we really do begin to sink. So, so conditioned we are, most of us probably won't ever give up our failing programs for happiness without some kind of wake-up call. When our financial planner tells us that our lifestyle is unsustainable, when our insistence on being right or being in control isolates us from our friends, when our family threatens to leave us because we are working so many hours to sustain it, when a health emergency finally forces us to confront our unhealthy habits. Discovering that life under our own power is sinking us, it is a blessing because it can cause us to finally cry out like Peter, Lord, save me. And in so doing, finally reach for the one true source of love and affection and safety and security, one that will never turn its back on us, one that will never disappoint, one that will never go out of fashion, one that will never need to be replaced by next year's model, and by the way, will never try to replace us with next year's model, one that doesn't threaten our health, one that will never furlough us, one that will never defriend us or divorce us, one that will never forget about us or leave us behind. That is the moment that we experience true salvation. So let us be like Peter. Let us be the first to jump out of the boat and to leave our comfort zones. Let us be the first to dive into the mission of God. But rather than be gripped by fear, let us instead experience our fears for what they are. A siren's call, seeking to lure us back to our old ways and our old habits and our old failed programs for happiness. Let us instead experience our fears as the constant companion they are. Let us experience them as a blessed reminder to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus to reach out for God's help when we need it. And when we do, we too will find ourselves walking on water. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations at Christchurch Cranbrook. To learn more about our mission, worship services, and learning opportunities, please visit us at ChristchurchCranbrook.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Christchurch Cranbrook. We look forward to you joining us again, and may God bless you now and always.